This is episode 47 of The Quest, Claiming the Marks of Christ. It cannot be overly emphasized that a change, a transformation, in the pattern of verbal, outward, observable behavior is the only means there has ever been of determining whether a professed Christian, mystic, saint, believer, contemplative, disciple, or follower of the way really is one or not. The ability to recognize the phonies, however, it turns out, is not all that easy for many people, but it is actually an important spiritual skill, especially for the faith community as a whole. Be wise as serpents, Jesus said, and harmless as doves. And watch out for the false prophets, warns Jesus. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear good fruit, he said, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. That's Matthew seventeen fifteen through 20. My interest here <coughs> is in one sentence of that quotation. By their fruit, you will recognize them. It is a theme that Paul pursues and develops in the fifth chapter of Galatians. However, in that chapter, Paul does not, like Jesus does here, distinguish between kinds of trees and the different kinds of fruit they produce. Instead, he distinguishes between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Flesh, as used by Paul, refers to everything human and earthly. To live according to the flesh defines a, a basic orientation toward life. When humanistic philosophers, for example, assert humanity is the measure of all things and give primacy to human reason, that is what Paul means in this context, by flesh. Furthermore, it is a way of thinking and a way of feeling about things that has a destination that, that ends in particular results, whether they are intended or unintended. In A Christmas Story, Ebenezer Scrooge dedicates his life to the acquisition and the hoarding of money, which leads to a joyless, humorless, cynical, emotionally and spiritually impoverished life. In Galatians 5, 19 through 21, then, the apostle furnishes a number of examples of what it means to live a materialistic, unspiritual, earthly, or fleshly-centered life. By flesh, he does not mean, of course, our physical, our bodily existence, but rather a kind of force, uh, a kind of energy or power, uh, a certain 
tendency in human beings to trust themselves more than God. Unfortunately, everything we say, or ultimately, uh, everything we say or do comes from forces at work deep within us. On this, both the Bible and modern depth psychology are agreed. Paul begins then with marks of the of the untransformed life, like, well, the, the stigmata of the flesh. And so he writes, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Immorality refers to hyper-indiscriminate sexuality, promiscuity, sex outside of marriage, sexual trafficking, sexual exploitation, and behavior that is sexual in an obviously crass and offensive way. Impurity is anything that makes a person unfit or unable to enter the presence of God. Debauchery refers to a lack of self-restraint, an inability to say no to debilitating and self-destructive excesses. Idolatry at first referred to the worship of inanimate human objects in place of the living God, then by extension to any material living thing and finally, the elevation of anything or anyone above God. Witchcraft or sorcery is the use of magical powers gained from the assistance or um, the control of uh, demonic spirits, spirits, especially uh, in order to foresee or foretell the future um, of events. Um, especially to discover uh, hidden knowledge that, that, that allows us to control. Uh, fundamentally, it is the belief that we can discover and use uh, knowledge uh, or this particular kind of knowledge that will give us control of our existence and that will take all the ambiguities and all the anxieties out of life. Hatred describes a person who is just characteristically hostile. Discord denotes a spirit of rivalry and competition, a determination to win that frequently results in quarrels. Jealousy is the desire to have what someone else has or the fear uh, they enjoy, some advantage we want for ourselves. It includes a, a, a peculiar uneasiness which arises from the fear that a rival may take something away from us. Fits of rage describe the sort of anger which may suddenly, unpredictably, and frequently flare up, flame up. 
Selfish ambition characterizes a self-seeking person, a person who wants an office or position not in order to serve, but for their own financial advancement or for their own personal status. Dissensions refers to attitudes that divide people. It is sometimes characterized as the party spirit, choosing uh, an ideologically based group that shows unreasonable animosity towards members or supporters of other groups. Envy begrudges a fact that someone has what we want and is a willingness to, to take it from them if we can. Drunkenness is a state of being overwhelmed or overpowered with alcohol or drugs uh, so that reason and values are distorted and disordered. Orgies pictures unrestrained revelry, partying that usually includes drinking and sex and may last through late into the night. And the like, adds Paul, that is, anything similar to any of this is a work of the flesh. Again, the work, the phrase works of the flesh suggests that Paul is talking about the flesh as a kind of force or energy, an anti-life power that results in numerous ways of behaving badly, all of them connected not by simply being a little naughty, but in the end being hurtful and destructive to both the individual and the community. There is a way out of all of this. There is a way to freedom if we want it, says Paul, for we are led by the Spirit, 518. This is once more, writes the New Testament scholar N.T. Wright in his commentary on Galatians. This is once more the language of Exodus with the pillar of cloud and the fire leading God's people to the promised inheritance, the final kingdom of God. As often to understand, as often to understand Paul's language about the spirit, we may think of the wilderness tabernacle, the individual believer, and still more the community of believers, as indwelt, says Wright, by the presence of God himself leading to the goal. Now, note how Wright sees um, it's not only the presence of God that leads us, but the Holy Spirit lives in us, works in us and with us to produce everything that is truly good. What Wright says is really is just mind-boggling. One thing to note before reading further is that where works of the flesh is plural, the fruit of the Spirit is singular. Um, what Paul does here is like saying, uh, 
Uh, I'm talking about a fruit that has um, uh, uh, a, a, a red out cover and uh, uh, a softer, uh, a, a, a pulpish, uh, kind of whitish uh, uh, inside and, and, a, and a core with seeds. And um, it, it's more like he's describing one fruit with many different characteristics. There's, there's no way getting away. And this is what that means. That there's no way of getting away with saying, well, I have an explosive temper and get verbally abusive, but I'm really kind and gentle. Uh, so, uh, it, so it's all one fruit. It all goes together. So Paul writes this then in Galatians 5.22 through 25 in the NIV. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Love everything God ask of us, verse 14, is summed up in the precept to love one another. Uh, to love and to be loved is the reason we were made. It is the meaning of our life. If the nature of God is love, as St. John says in his little first epistle, then we are created by love, in love, and for love. And when we die, we go into love. Joy is a sense of pleasure, satisfaction, and contentment that comes from deep trust in God. It is a sort of happiness that does not depend on what happens. Peace involves an inner harmony and completeness, a sense all is well, even in times of confusion and danger. It is a kind of balance or equilibrium that cannot be overcome by adversity. Forbearance is a calm, patient, and thoughtful response when treated wrongly or unjustly, uh, rather than an erratic, angry, or anxious reaction. Kindness is a generous orientation to others and their legitimate needs, rather uh, than one that is closed-fisted, it is what is gentle rather than harsh. Goodness is a kind of action. It's what is practically helpful, constructive. It is good in that it is good for something. Faithfulness refers to the qualities of trustworthiness, loyalty, and reliability. Gentleness is acting in humility, consideration, and courtesy and with respect for everyone's human dignity. Self-control is the maintaining of balance, moderation, self-restraint, and discipline when tempted to excesses. Now, read this text once more. Um, we'll read it from Eugene Peterson's version, which captures some of the nuances of the passage, I think, and... Um, 
and it's feeling uh, so well. Again, this is 5, 19 through 23. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods. Magic show religion. Paranoid uh, loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming, yet never-satisfied wants. A brutal temper. An importance to... Uh, an impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly paradoxes of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I have warned you, you know, if you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. Now, here's 22 through 23, the fruits of the Spirit. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. There is one other Identifying mark, dramatic, radical, and intense, given in Galatians 5, is found in verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, writes Paul, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is what is known as the cruciform mark, the cruciform way. Cruciform spirituality. It has frequently been referred to as cruciformity, to emphasize that it is something beyond the easy bourgeois psycho spirituality and self help notions of trinket religion and self transformation, soul like McDonald's hamburgers in a postmodern North America. There are numerous other scriptures with the same focus. Jesus told his disciples, Matthew 16, 24, If anyone wants to become my follower, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Earlier in Galatians 2, 20, Paul writes, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, the reality is that Christian transformation, what was once called sanctification, see, see Philippians um, 1, 6, 
and uh, 2.12 through 13 in the King James Version. Transformation, what was once called sanctification, is the work of a lifetime. The Spirit working in us, changing us, is a long journey in one direction. And although in general we can say what the transformed life looks like, even in its earlier stages, and with even just a little wisdom and a small faith, we can discern the stigmata of Christ, the signs of the cruciform life, the marks of Jesus. It really is up to us to work out what this means practically in our own daily lives. So Paul writes in verses 25 and 26 of Galatians 5, since this is the kind of life we have chosen, since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. And so I will leave you with that word from St. Paul.